Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. Hi, Donovan. This happened just last week where I lost my cat. I don't mean that he's lost, but rather I saw him get eaten by this thing in the field behind my yard. Let me back up for a second. The last few weeks I've been noticing some strange noises in my yard in the evening, around dusk time. Like this chirping sound, almost like a bullfrog, but different. Slightly more high-pitched. After hearing this sound, I've seen movement in my backyard around the pond. There's tall grass around the pond because I only mow it every few months. It looked like something was running back and forth from the woods to the pond. But since the grass is so high, I really couldn't make out what it was. Then last week, I'm watching my long-haired cat from my back deck as I'm having a drink on the deck. He goes trotting off towards the woods, and then he sees something he wants to pounce on. I thought it was a mouse or something small because I couldn't see anything from the deck. And he's always bringing up dead mice to the back deck. So he's crouched down and then he takes off. As soon as he takes off, This lizard-type creature grabs him by the neck and bites him and starts eating him. It was a terrible sight to see. I went into the house to grab my shotgun, and I was going to empty it on this thing, but it was gone by the time I came back. I was only in the house for maybe 10 seconds. So now I lost my cat, and I have this creature behind my house. I called animal control, and they came out, but they couldn't find anything. I'm at a loss of what to do. I've never seen anything like this before. It stood maybe three or four feet tall, and it had these long black claws, but it looked like it only had two or three of them. And it was scaly like a lizard, but it was standing on its two legs, which really was freaky. I don't know if anybody in your audience has ever seen anything like this, but it ate my cat. Hey there, Donovan. I've never seen a ghost or anything like that, but one time I saw an animal that freaked me out. Looking back, this is probably what initially sparked my obsession with all things paranormal. I've told this story to a lot of people, and I've had a few say that I was lying and just making this up. It just goes to show you that people's ignorance knows no bounds. Thanks for providing an ever-growing forum where people can share their experiences and gather insight instead of receiving judgment. My dad owns about 50 acres of land, and over the years, we've made a four-wheeler trail that's nothing short of epic. It's got everything, steep inclines, long winding declines, and a couple of ramps where you can get some serious air, a mud pit, and untamed wilderness as far as the eye can see. I love going there to clear my head. There's nobody else around, and there's something about being alone in nature that calms and centers me. Many years ago, I was four-wheeling on the trail late at night when I smelt something awful. We had some problems with people dumping trash on our property a couple of times, so I figured this is what I was dealing with. I went off the trail and headed towards the source of the smell. This was a rancid smell, enough to gag a maggot. My eyes started tearing up the closer I got to it. My four-wheeler's headlights revealed a large animal feasting on a smaller animal up ahead and realized that this might be the source of the smell. 
If one dead animal smelt this bad, I had to figure out what it was. As I got closer to the creature, I realized that it was huge and looked nothing like I've ever seen before in my life. It was the size of a bear with spikes on its back. It looked like a giant wolf without any hair. Its eyes were gigantic and awful. The creature looked right at me, dropped the carcass and started snarling at me. The sounds this beast made were awful. It sounded like a big rabid dog's growl, but it was human-like and sounded demonic. It made low bellowing sounds and then high-pitched pain groans. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I've never heard an animal sound anything like that. I was terrified and knew I needed to get the hell out of there as fast as I could. I gassed it out of there as fast as that four-wheeler would take me. As I made my way back to the trail, I heard those demonic grunts behind me. I thought I was going to die. I tried to swerve the four-wheeler in an unpredictable pattern as I headed back to the house. Finally, I didn't hear the beast anymore, and I made it safely back to the house. I told my dad what had happened, and he grabbed the shotgun and headed out into the woods. We searched all over but couldn't find the creature. When we got to the location where I first saw the beast, the small animal carcass was still there, but it was nowhere to be found. What was strange was that the little animal was mostly intact, despite the size of the demonic naked wolf that feasted on it. Dad checked all the trail cams, but none of them caught the creature on the camera. He told me to be careful and keep an eye out for it. I began researching what I had seen in the woods, and the only thing that was coming up at first was Bigfoot. But then I learned about a creature called a chupacabra. This creature was described as five to six feet tall, wolf-like in appearance, and it has spikes on its back, and it doesn't have any hair. Chupa means sucker, and cabra means goat in Spanish. It was called goat sucker because it was often found sucking the blood out of animals such as goats. Could this thing in the woods have sucked all this poor animal's blood out? I'm not saying with 100% certainty that the creature that I saw was a chupacabra, but out of all the animals that I've researched, this is the only one that I've found that matches what I saw. I hope I never see it again, but I've looked for it a lot over the years. My dad and I put up more trail cams, and we put motion lights all along the trail to try to get some evidence of this creature. So far, however, we've only captured deer, dogs, and turkeys. But having motion lights so you can ride the trail at night is awesome. So maybe I should be thanking the beast. Thanks for reading my story. I can't believe I'm telling this story. I was eight or nine years old and I was a very quiet kid. It was a good way for me to escape since my mom was such an emotional abuser. During that time, I was really into mystery stories. My dad was frustrated with me because he wanted me to read biographies and stuff like that to improve my mind. I liked those too, but I couldn't get enough of the mysteries. I guess I fancied myself an amateur detective after reading so many. I had changed schools a lot since my dad was always searching for the one that jived with his quirky views. That year, he had enrolled me in a parochial school. We had to wear uniforms every day. It was pretty rigid, but I liked my teachers. Except for Sister Virgilis, our religion teacher. She was ancient. She looked like she was about 100 years old. Nothing against old people. I love old people. She wore the full-length traditional black habit with all the accessories that go along with nun life. She looked so mean and was so strict and grouchy. 
probably for a good reason. Since I was so quiet, it wasn't easy for me to make friends. I did have one friend, though. Her name was Brenda, and we really bonded over our mutual love for mysteries. The school didn't have a playground, so at recess every day, they would take us across the street to play at this park. The teachers were very lenient when we were outside, and we were allowed to roam all over. At one corner of the park, there was this really old white brick building. Brenda and I were obsessed with this building. All the doors and windows were bricked up, so the whole thing was just a giant white brick structure. But you could see the outlines where the doors and the windows had been. Just faint lines. We would spend most of recess going round and round and examining the place. We always hoped we'd be able to find a way in. We got our hopes up for a while, then we discovered some stairs down to an old cellar door. That was the only door not bricked in, but it was nailed shut. The only other access was the old mail slot next to where the entrance door had been. You could still push that mail slot in and look. Why would they leave that unbricked? When we looked through there, all that we could see was a dark cavernous room and a bunch of tables. The place really had a feel of an old asylum, but it was completely unmarked. Brenda and I were convinced beyond a doubt that something was going on in there, mainly because of the clicking sounds. I meant it obviously seemed completely abandoned, but if you listened at the mail slot, there were these intermittent clicking sounds. There was no pattern to the sounds, but we heard them regularly. It was too loud to be an insect, but it sounded like it came from something alive. Well, one night in the fall, the school was having an open house. It was a chance for parents to talk to teachers and for students to show off their work. The whole school was buzzing with all those people making their way through, checking out all of the classrooms. Brenda grabbed my hand and pulled me over to the refreshments table so we could steal some cookies. We weren't supposed to take anything until all the presentations were done. I had just gotten a hold of a cookie bar when an old hand came on top of mine. I looked up and saw Sister Virgilis glaring down at me. I snatched my hand away and ran down the hall with Brenda. We burst through the front door and ran across the street to the park. We had never been there before at night. We were standing in the middle of the park and we looked over at that building. The outlines around the windows and doors were glowing. Just hairline cracks of light shaped like windows and doors. It was the most surreal thing ever. We whispered to each other and agreed to quietly approach the building. I can't even believe we went over there. It was like our detective personas kicked in and we weren't even appropriately afraid. As we got closer to the mail slot, we started hearing those clicking sounds again. They were much louder than we ever heard them before. We crouched down slowly and pushed the mail slot and looked in. There were several lanterns around the tables like the kind you would take camping, like Coleman lanterns. There were two unnaturally tall and skinny men standing at one of the tables. They had no clothing and they were incredibly pale. The clicking sounds seemed to be coming from them. They were crouched around something laying under a sheet on the table. We couldn't tell at all what was under that sheet, but it seemed to be pretty much the length of the table, like human size. Then one of the men bent its head down and the clicking got really loud. Suddenly it made some kind of contact with whatever was on the table and there was like a sharp intake of air. It reminded me of a Dementor's kiss or something. You know, like in Harry Potter? The thing under the sheet started struggling 
and suddenly we realized we should be very afraid. We looked at each other just horrified and ran away from the building as quietly as we could. We ran back into the school and hunkered down by a window, trying to see the building, but it was hidden from our view. Sister Virgilis saw us there and thought we were hiding from her, but she was nothing at all after we had seen that. Hey there, Donovan. I'm a retired park ranger, and I used to work at a very well-known national park. I can't say the exact park, but every one of your listeners would know the park if I said it. Anyways, this isn't a long story, but I can tell you that there is indeed something going on in the deep woods that is being covered up and not talked about. I've had a dozen of these incidents occur over my time as a park ranger. When I say a dozen, I mean a dozen that I was involved with to some degree, either speaking with authorities or being directly involved myself. I can't count how many times I've had visitors report strange and weird encounters. The dozen incidents that I've been involved with all end the same way. Someone at the park has a close encounter with said creature, then we blame it on a grizzly bear or some other wild animal. Now, if someone gets hurt or if something gets destroyed, it's pretty much the same thing if it can be explained. There are some times, though, where you can't explain or pass it off as an animal attack. That's when the authorities get involved. And we've been told to keep our mouth shut, and then we go through a cover-up process. I've been involved with coordinating some cleanup efforts with authorities. Now, when I say authorities, I mean the higher-ups in the government that don't want you to know what's really going on out there. There is no agency like the FBI or CIA involved. These people don't wear any identifying information that ties them to an agency. Are they some special part of the FBI or Homeland Security? Sure, maybe, but I wouldn't know and they would never speak of it. They just give instructions and tell us what to do and what not to do, and that's the end of it. There is no other way. At least if you want to remain employed and not have your entire life turned upside down. I can't get into the specifics of each case, but what I can tell you is that there are certain creatures out there that defy logic, that defy our understanding as human beings, that are roaming around in national parks. Are they from another dimension? Are they created by the very government that is trying to cover up and hide their existence? Are they fallen angels? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, but one thing is for sure. They exist, and I've been personally involved with multiple cases of covering up their existence. I've even seen them myself. Not all of what I've been told, but several of them I've seen on multiple occasions. It is truly terrifying if you've ever experienced this, and I pray that none of your listeners is ever in that situation because I've had plenty of nightmares and sleepless nights because of what I know and what I've seen. Keep fighting the good fight, and thanks for doing what you're doing. As a park ranger, I've had quite a few experiences that have made me question everything that I know. We're not alone out there, and there is life after death. I could go on and on about every experience I've had, but I'll tell you about a recent one that seriously wigged me out. I was instructed to remove this invasive plant species that was wreaking havoc on our native foliage. 
I was deep in the woods digging up the roots of this damn weed when I heard this loud cry in the distance. Hearing animal noises isn't uncommon, so I didn't pay it much mind at first. But the more I heard it, the more it sounded like a wounded puppy crying out for help. It got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. I just had to rescue this poor little puppy. I kept hiking in the direction I heard the cries. It took me far into the forest off the pass that I'm familiar with, and I kept walking deep into the woods towards the sound. I eventually wandered into a Wanichi camp, and I started asking if there was a wounded animal around. Nobody knew of any, so I just kept searching. Finally, a man asked me what it sounded like, and I said it sounded like a wounded puppy. I explained to him that I'd been searching for well over an hour, and it sounds like the puppy is just around the corner, but I can't find it anywhere. He had me sit down and gave me this delicious concoction to drink. He told me that the sound I was hearing was not a dog. It was a sound that he had heard several times before. He told me that several years earlier, a boy had drowned in a lake nearby. Ever since then, his ghost has haunted that lake and has become a deathly presence. Once an innocent boy crying for help now cries to lure people to him. When people reach out to him to get him out to the lake, the boy grabs them by their legs and pulls them underwater to drown them to death. Being skeptical, I explained to the man that it wasn't a boy's cry that I heard. It was a wounded puppy crying for help. The man was persistent, and he insisted that I should never trust the boy. He said that everyone who has ever gone to the lake to help the boy has died. And if he was calling to me, that meant I was next. I didn't believe it for a second. I was getting frustrated by this point. I just went way out of my way to help an animal, and it wasn't about to be in vain. Suddenly, I heard the cry again. See? That's the sound I've been hearing, I shouted. The man just shook his head. I've heard that cry many times before. I've lost several people to that cry. All I can do is warn you. It's up to you to do what's best for you. And then the man walked away, and I was left with a choice. Do I listen to some fairy tale and let a helpless animal die, or do I go rescue it and get back to dealing with the weeds? I followed the cry for another 15 minutes or so, and sure enough, I ended up at a lake. It was gorgeous, located right in between two mountains. There are some incredible sights at Yosemite National Park, but this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. There were trees surrounding the lake, and endless mountain views as far as the eye could see, in every direction. Finally, I heard the cry crystal clear, but this time it sounded different. There was a strange element to the cry. It was almost like whatever was crying was trying to hold back laughter. I looked around and there wasn't any creature that I could see. The sound kept getting louder and louder. I thought about everything the man had said, and the sound I heard wasn't a cry for help but clearly something toying with me, something evil. I turned around and started running. I could still hear their laughter in the distance as I ran back towards a Wanichi camp. I finally made it, and I told the man I spoke to earlier everything that had happened. He told me if you hear the cry again, ignore it, and do whatever you can to get it out of your mind. The boy preys on your compassion and fear if you let him. He will drive you to drown in the lake just to escape the torment in your mind. I told a fellow park ranger about this, and he told me of a legend called the Grouse Lake Ghost. 
people hear his cries and end up drowning in the lake. This freaked me out that it was a known phenomenon, and I thought about how close I got to the lake. I must say the lake is absolutely gorgeous, and it's something everyone should see before they die. But for God's sake, if you hear crying or laughing, get the hell out of there. Has anyone else ever experienced this? Or has anyone else ever heard of the Grouse Lake Ghost? Thanks for reading my story. Every summer I go to a new place and spend time away from everybody. It helps me get my bearings before I get overwhelmed by the constant pressure. Since I started teaching years ago, I've realized you've got to grab time for yourself whenever you can. I try to treat myself to a hike after school when I can. The kids are great and I wouldn't have it any other way, but they are relentless. The drama of 30 kids stuck in a classroom is hard to imagine if you haven't been there. When the school year ends, I'm so wrung out that I go home and can't move for quite a while. I usually let myself be a total sloth and hope I come out of it soon. And I have to, obviously. There's no choice but to use the downtime to work on everything that's fallen apart at the house. There's no time to deal with it during the school year. It takes me a month to feel like I've put things in order enough to look around a bit. That means it's usually the beginning of August before I start planning a trip. This time, I wanted to see the Redwoods. I had been around them a bit when I was a teenager, but I always wanted to go back. I wanted to camp right in the middle of them. This was when the internet was just getting going, so it was a lot harder to plan your trip details. I found a spot that I liked, Jedediah Smith State Park. It's close to the California-Oregon border. There were no Google Maps back then, but I figured there was something better than my paper maps. I got on my computer, and I think I got MapQuest or something. I plugged in the starting point and the destination, I got these line-by-line written instructions. It was a lot. I printed it out and had several pages of directions. I didn't even have to read through them. I guess I figured the map robots must know what they're talking about. By then, it was around my birthday, August 5th. So I had two weeks to get out and back and be ready for school. I got my camper gear thrown together and tossed it all in my Jeep. It was a pretty unorganized trip since I left so late, but I was glad to get out of there and on the road. I took my pages of unread directions and headed out. Everything was going fine until I got to Winnemucca. I was traveling on the usual highways very straightforward. I stopped at some cafe and got something to eat. I went in and ate in my Jeep and started looking over my directions. I had reached some kind of crossroads, and the instructions had me leaving the main highway and getting on an old state highway. I trusted the maps and got back behind the wheel. I was on a two-lane road, and huge trucks were passing by going like 80 miles an hour. It was close to midnight and pitch black since the street lamps had disappeared. Still okay, but then I was randomly instructed to turn onto a dirt road. I started questioning my sanity because this road didn't seem like it led anywhere people wanted to go. I was really naive then and just kept going. After about 20 miles of dusty bumping along, all this strange wildlife started to appear. These big birds kept swooping in front of my car. They were beige in color. They looked about a foot long. I thought birds slept at night. Then all these giant jackrabbits started appearing. There were dozens of them. So tall and jumping in front of my car, I had to keep slamming on my brakes. They didn't seem to have any regard for vehicles at all. I think I hit one of them, but there was no way I was stopping. 
I saw some kind of animals with horns. I don't know what they were. I kept catching glimpses of them out of the corner of my eye. And some other animal kept shrieking. I mean, I was surrounded by the most surreal wildlife. I had to go pretty slow because of the potholes. I came to a spot with such a deep hole that I couldn't drive through it. So I turned into a field to go around. Out of nowhere, something descended out of the sky with this blinding blue light and hovered about a hundred feet in the air. I stopped at my tracks and realized that it was totally silent. My high beams were on, and in front of me were these carcasses laid in a circle. A real variety of them. And in the middle of the circle, more carcasses laid in an X, like X marks the spot. The blue light seemed like a searchlight shining around, but it stopped when it landed on the X. The carcasses around the ground started quivering like they were vibrating. And out of each one rose a pale, wispy form, and they all got drawn up into the light towards the aircraft. I don't know what to call it, but an aircraft. It was triangular in shape. After that, the carcasses became still again, and the blue light disappeared. The whole time, everything had been completely silent. As soon as it was gone, I hightailed it out of there as best as I could, and all the crazy wildlife reappeared. I really wanted to know if anyone else has reported something like that. I still can't wrap my mind around it. And apparently, in those days at least, MapQuest always gave you the shortest route possible as the crow flies. I never follow directions like that anymore. We hear a lot of stories up in these woods, and I never believed them until this past year. See, I live up in Baudette, Minnesota. It's up on the Canadian border near the Lake of the Woods. There's Pine Island State Forest just south of town and Rainy River to the north. That's also the Canadian border. Because of the river, it's the walleye capital of the world, home of Willie the Walleye. The point is, there's not much up here except the town. I mean, you go south into Minnesota, and there's nothing until Red Lake. It's woods, mostly. In winter, it's cold, like to the point where you have to plug in your car at night if you want to start it in the morning. I travel a lot by snowmobile in the winter. It's just easier. Baudette's got about a thousand people, which is about a thousand people too many for me. So I got me a house on the edge of town. My buddy Derek, he lives even further out, not even in the city limits. People say Derek's crazy, but me, I just think he sees things other people don't see, you know? He pays attention. He doesn't have a smartphone or anything like that. He watches things in the woods. One day last winter, I went out to see him because my grandma said my deer meat was taking up too much room in her freezer. I figured I'd bring some to him and we'd have a couple drinks and hang out for a while. So I took the snowmobile because I can take a shortcut through the woods that way. And I don't have to worry about whether or not the county plowed Derrick's street. I set out later than I meant to because, of course, Grandma wanted me to shovel the walk first. It was December and it gets dark around 4 o'clock. When I finally got all the meat loaded on the snowmobile, the trees were already making long shadows on the snow. I almost didn't go. But if I tried to go the next day, she'd do the same thing. I got on the snowmobile and put my helmet on and hit the path through the woods. The light lit up the trail pretty good, but I still took it slow. You never know when a deer might run out in front of you, and that could be the end of you. So as I'm going, I'm just watching the trees go by when something did jump out on the trail. But jump isn't the right word. That thing strolled. 
It was a good 20 or 30 feet in front of me, but my snowmobile light lit it up real good. Still, I couldn't believe what I saw. It must have been nine feet tall. I mean, I could see it was tall as one of those pine trees. At first, I thought it must be some kid messing around with me because nothing has antlers and stands on two feet. But this was no kid with a costume. It had a skull for a face. I got one look into those empty eye sockets, and I almost fell off my snowmobile. I never remember being that scared. But just when I was trying to decide if I should turn around or not, it disappeared. It didn't walk away, it was just gone. So, of course, I wondered if it was ever there at all. Maybe I just imagined it. I thought I saw it, but once it was gone, I had my doubts. I told myself it was a weird hallucination and just kept going. But when I got to the spot where it was, it smelled like something rotten. Like when hamburger meat goes bad in the fridge, except worse. Much worse. It only lasted for a second, though. So I just told myself I was imagining things again. I blew past that spot and kept going to Derek's house. Like I said, his house is basically in the woods. He's got a dish on the side for TV and a bunch of wood piled up on the side for his fireplace. That's the only heat he's got. I just leave my jacket on when I go inside. Once I went in, we had a few drinks and I started explaining what I experienced. He told me that's a Wendigo. Now, I've heard a few stories about this thing, but I don't know what to believe, so I asked him. He said that all he knew was it was wandering around the woods and it was quiet as death. He'd seen it out of his window a few times, but it never came close to the house because he made a circle of salt around it. Salt keeps all kinds of evil away, he said. So he said he figured it was worth a try. I ended up spending the night at Derek's house and left in the morning to go home. I didn't see anything on the way home, though I did smell that rotten meat when I passed through that spot. I tell you what, when I got home, I got out that rock salt I use on the sidewalk, and I made a circle all the way around the house. Now, I've never seen that outside of my house, and I've been back to Derek several times but I've never seen it again.